Well, we're sizing you up here. For fantasy, for sure. You can't knock a guy. He's he's out there working. You could always roll snake eyes anytime you roll the dice. It's just not the most likely thing that's going to happen. Ooh. Passed on Jamar Chase. I know. I thought he was going to stack it up. I did. I did. Oh, I did. <laughs> I th- all right, all right, cut the tape. You know me, I'm, I'm a mock draft guy. I like to draft a lot. And now it's look different. King Henry, for example. The, the other, Mr. St. Clair. <laughs> Opportunities ahead to prove that we can do better. Eventually, Darnold's going to catch up and be as old as Burrow. But if you didn't know, Darnold is younger than Burrow. That's going to the intro right there. Answer is the call for you. Sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta take the call. We're halfway through. Balling right now. And, and you gotta let him ball. Welcome back to the dynasty wire this is your host iowa i'm here once again joined by my co-host henry st Clair. welcome welcome today this evening whenever you are listening we have a new special guest this is the creator of the fantasy fantasy football reality competition on the primetime fantasy network on youtube you might be seeing across your twitter feeds creator primetime mock Mark Shu, welcome to the show. Nick, man, thank you for having me. Henry, it's great to be here. Thanks for joining us, man. Spent all off-season just banging out mocks with you. That's right. Watching you, uh, your presence in the fantasy community grow in the off-season. You had so many people that I follow their work on like Twitter and whatnot, and you've got these people all here in a room all drafting together. Like Just impressive and humbled to be part at times there. This reality competition, man, tell me about this. Yeah, it's called Fantasy Fantasy Football, a reality competition. The long and short of it is we have 22 people drafted Eliminator-style league, and we have a bunch of different twists that we throw in. Every Thursday night, we have an immunity showdown where the winner of that Thursday night immunity slate will be safe for the week in what we call the Gauntlet Challenge, which is long and short way of saying it's a week of football. So we're playing a week of fantasy on the Gauntlet, and then basically the high scores from the Gauntlet have earned their safety, and the lowest ones will move over to Monday night. In the Gauntlet, you're not allowed to play Monday night players, so we can make room for the Elimination Showdown on Monday night. So we'll have a predecided number of contestants go into a eliminator on monday the loser goes home we've had a lot of fun we've been adding a lot of twists along the way the contestants have been really doing a great job a lot of them not really long for reality more podcaster types more people who are just fantasy junkies in their basement (laughs) uh and we got we got them all on video making videos and talking about their lineups and going to football games and bringing us game footage, showing off their fantasy lives. We bring it all around this competition. And every week we say goodbye to one. I'm about to drop another episode. You should probably see it on Thursday or Friday on the Primetime Fantasy Network on YouTube. Go ahead and subscribe over there. We will go through the last four weeks. Actually, we're going through weeks two through five. Catch you up to week six. It's been a long process. It's a new adventure, new thing for me. It's a, been a long time coming. I've wanted to do it for a while. Man, I am just so proud of all the people who have been working behind it. Uh, I'm proud of myself a little bit to just, you know, 
to make this kind of happen. If you're a fantasy junkie like me, even if you're not, if you're a person who's a fantasy junkie who has nothing to talk about with their sister-in-law or something, you know, come watch Fantasy Fantasy Football. It's a fun time. Even if you are not a fantasy person, you're going to love it. I watched a little bit of it, and it seemed like a combination of the show uh, The League and Survivor and Big Brother, like all mashed into one. It's a little like that. Yeah, it's... (laughs) We've got one guy, uh, shout out to Jay Shuey, uh, Joe Shuey. I don't remember his Twitter off the top of my head. He can, he can yell at me later. He's got season tickets to the Ravens. So we're getting regular footage from the, you know, the Ravens games in, into the feed. So we, we get some nice footage from the games. Huh. We've had other people go. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, it's the first year. This is really a pilot season for the project, but it's really starting to come into form. And I'm just really excited for what's coming through the rest of the season next thing you know mark shoe cable tv star oh geez no that's <laughs> i'm not ready for that here on dynasty wire we focus mostly on dynasty fantasy football i know you're in some dynasty leagues i'm in a couple i'm in a couple i'm definitely more of a redraft guy i am i am for sure that but i do have dabbled in dynasty the past couple of years I mean, it's fun. Not that you shouldn't be playing the waiver wire. You absolutely should in Dynasty Leagues. But I feel like, you know, when you have these long benches, sometimes you just all your depth is kind of there. You know what I mean? It's it's there. And sometimes it doesn't require as much management on a week to week basis. It's nice to know that your evaluation of players on a year over year basis play out the way you want them to, where you don't always get that in a redraft league. You really don't. So it's the the long term that is the allure for you. Oh, for sure. I mean, just I watch all these rookies coming through every year. I do I do break down some film on them on my own time. And you don't get that much value out of it if you're just doing it in a redraft league. Because once they're in the once they're in their rookie years, you sort of see how they play. And then once they have a year of NFL game film, everybody knows who they are. So you're not really getting the value that you are from watching that film on rookies, on players coming into the league if you're not using a dynasty league. You're young developmental guys that everybody, even in redraft leagues, we, we put these developmental guys, rookies that maybe won't even pan out on our bench sometimes just to just to see if they'll get there. You can feel a lot better. You can sleep a lot better at night doing that in a dynasty league than you can in a redraft. And I realized the second I moved to Dynasty, I stopped doing that in my redraft leagues. I I had more of the idea of like, I need the guys that are going to be here right now. I can't be speculating on those guys. I love speculating on those guys. I think we all do. But you know what? Dynasty is where you're really going to show out if you if you know how to do that kind of thing. If you can if you can evaluate talent at a young age and watch them develop in the league and see that arc that's coming. That's where you hit and you and you win in Dynasty. It's definitely a factor in the equation there. We always make comments about the public, right, as this sort of fictitious being. Yeah. <laughs> if you were doing a startup, what would be, you know, your first couple targets? Are you one of these guys that goes, running backs have a short shelf life, shelf life so I'm going to take a Justin Jefferson to Jamar Chase early? Or if we play super flex, are you definitely going quarterback those first, you know, three, five picks? What are your thoughts there? You know me, I'm, I'm a mock draft guy. I like to draft a lot. And I actually like to think that every draft is 
unique and it's really hard to have a one-to-one comparison on even on your ranked players because really i'm very loose in my tiers and a lot of players across positions rank in the same tier for me so to be honest i am more about the chess game that is playing the draft that is seeing what the board has available for you and what the rest of the league is saying i don't value this or i don't value this as much as i should or you think i should and that's when I start to hammer because I, I right now I have two dynasty leagues that I, I consider serious and I have two very different approaches with them. One is a contract league, which I love. It's my favorite league. I'm the commissioner of that league, reigning champion, probably shouldn't be, but I am. <laughs> and I went very running back heavy there. Uh, it's an auction draft and uh, I spent up on running back when I drafted the team. I had Saquon and Chubb and Joe Mixon. I did have to trade away a couple of those pieces this past year because they're very costly honestly if you're a win now team i don't see any reason why you shouldn't be going running backs if you're a losing team though if you're a team that's maybe you know you're not gonna you're not long for the top three in your dynasty league i think i'm going more receiver heavy but really again it depends on what it really depends you i think every league is so unique you have to really go on what the weaknesses your league are showing You you need to go that route i think The draft is definitely one of the most exciting parts of any league. So if I'm gathering what you're saying there, a lot of it is value-based drafting and responding to how the draft is going around you. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Every draft, again, you have different scoring formats. You have different, you have different position builds. You have all sorts of different things that factor in. And even though it doesn't feel, I mean, you can still have a pretty close ranking of a lot of these players. Once you see what, four or five picks do it change it can change everything it really can well we're sizing you up here because today we have a four-person mock where we're going to attempt to rank the players for the 2022 season as if we fast forwarded 12 months and then we were in a startup this is how we would see the ranks being for us as of right now but It's definitely a little bit different in like a contract league. Uh, I'm sure the the trades have to be something where you're thinking about a lot more than just the individual player's values because you have a contract tied to them. Oh, yeah, it definitely is. And honestly, if you don't play in a contract league and are a dynasty player, I really, really highly recommend that you join a contract league or find some buddies. I have a really good set of league bylaws that I I can offer you to take a look at. But contract leagues, they just add so many different wrinkles. Your Ours is a $1,000 salary cap, okay? So what that means to you can be so many different things. You can decide that there are people in, in the original draft where they said, I'm going to be close to, you need, a, you need to keep a floor of $600. You need at least $600 in salary to start to field a team, essentially. So a lot of players in their first year were like, okay, I'm just going to stay near 600 And then there were other teams that decided I'm going to blow my entire budget and go from here and really blow it out. Take every running back that I can. That was me. I had like I had like maybe $100 left after like 20 minutes of the draft. (laughs) I'm a spender. In a dynasty league, as much as I love the dynasty, like I said, talking about evaluating rookies and all that in a dynasty league, I'm going for it year one. I will. I will be going for it. There's no reason why if you're putting that $100, $200, whatever it is you want to put down on your league, why you're not going for it in year one. So I did that. I mean, there are a lot of different ways there because the contracts are 
market-based in those 14 players, there are so many different things. So Lamar Jackson is like $250 right now, which is kind of expensive, but he's a he's a very valuable rushing quarterback and he's, you know, he's crushing it. And people, we had an expansion draft this past year and people just passed him up. He was out available for players to pick up and nobody wanted him because his contract looked too big. Now it feels like a steal. Now the guy who picked him up, it feels like a steal for him because he's got him at that at that value. And uh, you have running backs who are, again, in 14-team leagues, running backs, it's hard out there for running backs, especially in team, in leagues over 12 teams. So you have 100 different ways to show weaknesses or strengths, and you have to make really key decisions at certain times or else you could be, you know, you could be sunk. Definitely an interesting format from the sounds of it. Like you said, a lot of the top guys maybe not even being rostered or picked up because of their contract size. It's definitely a unique thing to have to consider. Yeah. Oh, it it definitely is. And you have players that like Justin Jefferson is like twenty dollars mm. in in our league. You know, he's like he's like twenty dollars right now on a four year deal. So so that guy lucked out. We have like we have some crazy ones. It just because really it's gonna depend on the fingerprint of of the year that the draft actually happened. There's gonna be all these contracts that are overpriced, underpriced, or they were cut and people are taking dead cap from those players. There's just so many. I mean, there's just so many different league functions. It for me the thing I like the most about it is it makes you feel like an actual gm of a team not that you don't get that a little bit with fantasy but like everything that you would do as a gm is sort of in this kind of league so if you are if you are ever considering a salary cap league hit me up at primetime mock i will give you my league bylaws and if you want to try it out i am always down to like help people out i love my contract league i wish more people played in them so uh go join a contract league guys all right it's definitely intriguing because in the nfl we see teams construct so differently right yeah i'm a big believer in what the rams have done they don't have a ton of depth but they've paid Stafford, Ramsey, Donald, a couple of their receivers, Woods and Cup, they've paid. But outside of that, they trade away their first round picks every year. And people go, well, like, that's dumb. We've had people in our league go like, oh, don't trade away your first round picks in the NFL draft. What are you doing? Those things have like a 40% hit rate, especially towards the end of the round where the Rams are always picking. Yep. And then their second round picks, you pay those guys like a 10th of what you would pay a first round pick. So they're saving a, a bunch of money on what could essentially be a bust. Mm, yep, 100% agree with that. I mean, hitting in the draft, it's like your baseball batting average. <laughs> it's not anything that even if you're really good, you're really probably like at 35 to 40%. Like it's not, you know what I mean? It's not it's not anything to be super proud of. I mean, when you when you land a, a monster player, then yeah, you're happy about it, but it's predicting the weather. It's much like it's honestly much like fantasy advice. You can only really go off of off of what you know and what what the data has shown you thus far and you have to make a prediction. It's the same idea. We're all all we are are just the same, you know, the same people just like the GMs coming up with these decisions. What do we see and what do our obje- eyes objectively tell us? Well, the Rams are making savvy trades in the NFL in your fantasy football leagues. You're trying to do the same thing. And like you said there, you know, sometimes you get caught holding the bag, but each thing you do 
you're you're in essence making a call. Yeah. In, in every league, you see it every year that you know someone makes a trade and the league boos and everyone roasts someone, and then a year later you look back at the trade and it's like, oh, <laughs> well, maybe things are a little different. You know, it, this isn't always the case, but there's always. I mean, like you go through your leagues, there's a, there's always at least a couple of trades like that where everyone booted at the initially and then someone looked like a genius at the end. There was a trade that back when I allowed uh, vetoes, the league vetoed a trade, somebody trading away AJ Green in his prime and he proceeded to get hurt the next week. And we all vetoed this guy trading away Green because we were saying he would, we were get, he was giving him away. So everyone looked silly afterwards. But this is why you stay humble. Sure. Focus on your approach. You focus on being logical. Trust uh, the process, trying to make what would be the best position because you know if there was a perfect way to evaluate fantasy football then we wouldn't be here talking about it right now absolutely i'm gonna talk about an awful trade that got vetoed and my main dynasty league that's been running for 10 some odd years now someone had todd Gurley in his prime and he was the back-to-back champion this guy with todd Gurley because todd Gurley was insane and he traded away todd Gurley, or he wanted to trade away todd Gurley for alvin camara rookie saints third rounder and two first round picks and the league just went off how could you trade the number one dying the number one fantasy player for some rookie bum who couldn't even make it at bama and two rookie picks like how could you possibly do this this can't be allowed and so it got vetoed and that guy has been complaining about it ever since he's like imagine how good my team would be if i had camara and two first round picks yeah those picks wound up becoming like i want to say one became josh allen and the other one the year before was like watson or someone like he could have watson josh Allen and Camara right now, but instead we made him keep Todd Gurley. So, <laughs> yeah, that de- definitely don't don't veto trades. Any, I think I think we I think we're in a point in the uh, in the fantasy space where it's it's pretty much common or general consensus that we're not we're not vetoing trades anymore. I'm not going to say that I haven't done it before. I definitely you know in my younger days I definitely definitely vetoed a couple trades here and there. But yeah, I mean I've had some of those trades that that you think are great and they and they don't end up they don't end up working out. It turns out you know you never really know. Again, it's it's rolling dice. It's playing poker. I always say you're playing poker uh, when we're doing this. Basically, you have two hole cards and aces look really nice before the flop, and they might even look nice when they're when they're on the flop too but it doesn't mean they're going to be the winner it doesn't mean that it they don't even necessarily have a high percentage chance of always being the winner so it's tough to make that decision you just have to go with your with are these good players are these high if we're talking the poker analogy are these players face cards for me aces and faces for me or are they sevens or eights or nines and i can't play that i can't play that every week i need i need aces and kings in my lineup as much as i can they're not always going to pan out but the more you know the more face cards you get in that starting lineup as opposed to those low cards overall you're going to feel better about it you're going to you're going to end up you know on top and you you nailed it there as far as i'm concerned you're making educated guesses and with cards you know there's there's 52 cards that can turn over in football there are so many more variables going on when you uh, take like statistics courses they say you need like at least 30 examples before you can start drawing conclusions with any kind of confidence and the football season is 18 weeks mm-hmm. you know 17 games there's not necessarily all consistent variables every week 
So being able to look at something and predict it in the future, there's there's no 100%. There's no such thing. So it is really hard to know anything with absolute certainty. And you'll see like the more savvy members of the community, rather than saying things are certainty, it's the probability of yeah. making like an illogical, bold claim, your hot take, and then it paying off is like saying, I'm going to roll snake eyes twice in a row. And then you actually do. Exactly. You know, that's that's bad process. Yeah, nobody should feel bad that that they weren't on Cordero Patterson this year. Nobody <laughs> should really feel bad because, to be honest, it would have been bad process if you were. I mean, maybe if you were getting him in like a late, late round. Obviously, good for you on that. But like, nobody was, nobody's banking on Cordero Patterson this year to be putting up five rushing attempts or five, five catching five passes a game on top of the rushing attempts he's getting. Yep, and he was even out rushing Mike Davis. <laughs> last week but like in the preseason good process said mike davis is 29 years old they're probably gonna sign a free agent or they're gonna trade for someone that's gonna take away his value it didn't actually happen because the guy who was gonna take away his value was actually on his team so good process thinking this guy might not be good enough to just you know take this job like he was given the boatload of opportunity in carolina that there might be an exterior force that takes away uh, a good portion of his work and it ended up happening though no one was saying it was going to be quarter sure and so, yeah some of those people were some of those people were Edo smith truthers some of those people were mm-hmm. wayne gallman with Javian hawkins everybody had that nobody mm-hmm. but the thing about quarter patterson is he had he's had five years to do this said eight <laughs> he's had eight years yeah he's 30 now has he had eight is it that long mike yeah. man you know what i mean like like who's thinking that that an eight-year breakout is coming from Cordero Patterson? At the very least, you'd seen production from Mike Davis. Now I'm just ranting about Cordero Patterson because <laughs> I don't have him anywhere. I guess you'd think that Edo Smith, he's still on. He was on, he's on the younger side. I think he's only like 24. But no, no, it's it's Patterson. To your point with Cordero Patterson, if you were to say he's going to be a RB1 this year, a high-end RB2, that would have been bad process as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. It's not talent or intelligence or skill that would make that call. It would be trying to make a hot take and then your bad probability call ends up hitting. Correct. Because you could always roll snake eyes anytime you roll the dice. It's just not the most likely thing that's going to happen. I was going to talk about a, a bad process I saw in the off season that I brought up to the group at one point. And it was this guy on Twitter doing the hot take game. And he was saying AJ Dillon was going to be a top 20 RB. He goes, I think he's going to out carry Aaron Jones. I think Aaron Jones is going to get hurt. Aaron Jones had a drug problem in college. He's naming off all these things that, to be quite honest, don't matter. And it was just one of those things, like you're saying, he was like trying to shoot the moon, do a pick a card trick and guess the card at a 52 randomly without any knowledge. No one's going to hold someone accountable to a hot take that goes wrong when you have, you know, no one that's going to go back four months and be like, look what this guy said. He's an idiot. So I think we're painting a really good picture of what of, of really what process kind of looks like for for any of the audience who's, who's kind of confused here, because, yeah, you're right. All those reasons Aaron Jones is going to get hurt or whatever, whatever reasons he ends up going with that he's going to be a top 20 RB is not a is not a great process. However, when you look at a guy like A.J. Dillon, you see that he's talented. He's probably one of the closer one of the higher end handcuffs that we were looking at. And on top of it, Aaron Jones doesn't play every snap. 
if you were somebody to say like, oh yeah, and I was one of the people who said this, that AJ Dillon would have flex appeal on a regular basis and then does have handcuff upside, I'm not taking him at 20. <laughs> There's no reason to take him at 20. You take him at 35 like everybody else does. And then and then you and then you take that. If you think Cordero Patterson's it, you take him at the last round of your draft. And then you profit. You're not taking him and putting him in the in the top five rounds just because. And now saying, "Oh yeah, Cordero Patterson." You know, now we're back to Cordero Patterson. My bad, man. I'll just I'm just gonna stop talking. I'll sit this one out. Well, like like you're saying there, it's hard to put like an exact pinned. This is what's going to happen because you can't really say it with certainty. But you can say there's a good chance that this happens. And if you back it with sound logic, those are the kind of opinions that that, that I'm interested to hear. Yeah, I'm curious to hear you guys's. Uh, opinions on what you mean when you say I'm rebuilding. What is your your target year? What's your approach? I think uh, when I think rebuilding, right, that's not retooling for me. When I think rebuilding, I'm blowing it up. I want picks in as many years as I can get them, hopefully the next two, and then watch those guys develop. And not just picks. We spoke about this ad nauseum on last week's episode. How you could trade away, you know, Keenan Allen or a DeAndre Hopkins or someone and go get a sophomore wide receiver, you know, a Jerry Judy with the injury, maybe buy him low, or Brandon Ayuk with all the bad doghouse news, buy him low. Michael Pittman before the breakout would have been a good buy low candidate. There are guys you can go get to start your rebuilding process at a sooner point, trading some of those vets if you have them. Retooling, I'm looking to do if I have a Cam Akers and Etienne Dobbins on the bench. An RB that I think next year could be top 12 RB, at least top 20. And a lot of those guys, Akers and Dobbins specifically, probably going back to bell cow roles. So rebuilding, I'm, I'm looking a little more in the future than I think some people. Me personally, I'm looking, if I'm rebuilding, I'm targeting 2022 to try to compete. I'm not saying, you know, maybe by in a couple years I'll be competing. I'm trying to build things that are going to be competing like the next year. If I'm not competing this year, I want it to be the next year. Now, this doesn't mean I don't want like 2023 first, because I do, but not at the sacrifice of competing this year and next year. You're still taking them, but you're not taking two steps backwards to take one step forward in two years. Yeah, I think it's once you get on the treadmill of I'm rebuilding and I'm taking I'm taking some time is where it gets very dangerous for that team. There are times where you really have to take a hard look at your team and say, okay, I need to blow this up and, st and start over. But rarely, rarely is it like, is it a full blow up that needs to actually happen? And I think sometimes when we have teams that are in rebuilds, they almost overcorrect and they sort of tend to overdo it and trade all their picks or all their players for picks. And then all of a sudden they have all these these picks that like we just said a few minutes ago like you're batting five you're you, if you're batting 300 350 in the draft you're feeling pretty good so if you have all these picks you can't really expect them all to play out and if you don't turn those picks into other players at some point you're going to get yourself in trouble i think more often than not i really think that there's there's a, a good there's a good reason that that no matter when you you feel like you're out, like you should trying to play again for next year. I like that, that sentiment, Iowa, because really, if you know, so like right now I'm in my contract league and for backstory, the winner, which is me from last year, the champion has the opportunity to double up and win a jackpot 
that we have rolling over every single year. So you have to go for it. If you're the champ, you have to go for it. There's really nothing you can do. I don't know why you wouldn't want to go for the jackpot in that situation if you have any chance. So my team probably shouldn't have won last year, but I'm still going to go for it anyway. At this point, it looks like, and I gave it my best, I made some good trades this, this past summer to get myself some salary, get myself some players that, that sort of helped set me up for the future in case I did blow up this year and then, and then move on from there. When you're rebuilding, especially now, you have the trade deadline at the end of, you have the trade deadline at the middle of the season, whatever it is for your, for your, con- for, for your own dynasty league. Doesn't have to be a contract league, although I'm obsessed. Uh, where, wherever you have your, your trade deadline, that's an opportunity for you to sell. You sell those high end pieces that, are are good for, that are good players but will get you a haul usually a running back i would hope that you sell your running backs in that situation like when you're when you're rebuilding i think it's time to re, it's actually time to sell your running backs get picks because you can always find new running backs in the drafts coming up and they have a short shelf life and then you have another opportunity where maybe you've made those trades in the in, at the trade deadline four picks then the rookie draft comes up everybody's got rookie fever they want they want picks they want they want more shots at the uh, bites at the apple in the rookie draft you flip it over again you get some more value from that because you have a you have a raised value in picks at that point and then you start to build from there and see if you can compete again and if it doesn't work you can do the same thing again but if you get to a point where you feel like i need to blow it up and start over i think you get into real trouble because some people when they take more than one year, two years, you don't know where you stand sort of in the middle of that. You know, you don't you don't really know where you stand. And by the time you feel like, OK, I, I should be rebuilding, you're like, well, maybe I, I don't know if I'm there right now. You know, I'm, I still don't know if I'm there right now. So the goal is to get young players. Yeah. So if you're drafting someone and then turning them for future picks and drafting someone, turning them for future picks, you're never actually advancing forward. You're mm-hmm. just pushing the possibilities forward even though your team isn't actually raising so like you say we get to the deadline you make your sales that's when i'm trying to sell the older players yep that people really don't want in a trade but i'm win now so you know what forget it i'll trade for tom brady he could retire at the end of this year maybe next year whatever i'll trade for him now even though it's probably going to hurt me in the future. That's when the win nows are interested. So, you know, that's when you might want to consider moving like a Henry or Brady or Hertz. Where am I getting shipped off to? No, but no, they, no, no, no. You're King Henry. Co-King Henry. Co-King. There we go. I had a listener ask me what, what he should do with Brandon Ayuk in a rebuild. And I was like, hold, hold Brandon Ayuk in a rebuild. You know, he's a first round mm-hmm. pick. Obviously, we saw Nikhil Harry go by the wayside as a first-round pick. He's still young. He's still, like, 23 years old. But it could take IU quite a few years to develop. We saw it with Devontae Parker, had that weird, like, fifth-year breakout, Mike Williams this year. Obviously, we've seen Buss and Laquan Treadwell, Josh Doxson, Corey Coleman. It happens. But why would you trade away Brandon Ayuk for a second-round pick and, you know, some garbage little throw-in piece when you could hold on to him? Yeah. That's called selling low. Yeah. And... I wouldn't be trying to sell low on someone who's in their very low twenties. But then again, he is another Arizona State wide receiver. <laughs> like Nikhil Harry, he could, you know, follow a similar path. Arizona State wide receivers and Ohio State quarterbacks, apparently. And, just- <laughs> and to be honest, it's a tough situation with Shanahan right now because you feel like you saw a very similar turn of events happen with Dante Pettis not too long ago, who was a second round pick by Shanahan. 
has a good has a good showing his first year and then they turn around the next year i think they drafted Ayuk the year after th- that same year or no they drafted debo that year pettis's second year pettis is non-existent uh then then Ayuk comes in he's not really he's not really all that valuable i mean he was a little bit he was showing some value but wasn't all that valuable until kittle and debo both got hurt shows his value and now it's you're kind of in that spot where we were with Pettis the same the same time last year where he's barely you know his snap count at least now is up higher and I think that he'll probably get there and in a rebuild yeah you absolutely should hold him but he does he does really kind of concern me a little bit you know it's it does concern me that like it's just not it's not back to there you feel like once you have a, a talent set you own it and I don't know if it's just the way Shanahan runs his you know, his operation that just doesn't always work for some players, but it doesn't, you know what I mean? It doesn't always work for players, especially ones that seem to like show that they're talented (laughs) to the bench with you. (laughs) Well, yeah, he seems like one of those coaches who likes to break down his best guys. So he'll, so all the, all the less talented players will play harder. And while at the same time, like he's pissing off all his talented players. Preach. Yeah. You know, sermon. (laughs) Exactly. Man, I was a man. Did I whiff on sermon this year? Man, did I whiff on sermon? I was, I mean, I had, I had high hopes for him, you know, who knows in a dynasty, but again, like, what is, what are we doing? What are we doing? Putting Eli Mitchell in there and, and giving him, giving him that run before sermon when you drafted him. And trade it up for him. I don't know. Why'd we sign Matt Flynn and then play the rookie third round pick, Russell Wilson? The, the talent wins out. That the one. talent wins out at the end <laughs> hey, of the day. You're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But, you know, you could you can make me look a little better in the process, you know? Like, that's all I'm really Oh, asking. yeah. No, Sermon's been brutal. <laughs> like you said, you know, you follow a good process, right? You see higher draft capital. This guy could handle 30, carries a game at Ohio State against Northwestern against Clemson towards the end of the season, Big Ten championship game and college football playoff, he looked like the best player in the world. He was 30 carries for dang near 200 plus yards and three touchdowns. You're like, this guy can run against anyone. And he's an efficient, he's an efficient runner too. Like he was, he was very, I mean, he looked like he had, you know, he could make his way in between the tackles without much issue, without, without making extra movements that, that might get you tackled or might slow you down. You know, he was finding like the direct route through through traffic. And that's that's like the most important thing that I need to see. I could give a damn about yards per carry and all that. I'm really more interested in just seeing like one, your speed out in open space. Once you get into space, like what what's what's your speed like? And then how how can you maneuver your way through traffic? How do you find that hole and work through it? How do you use your offensive line to make yourself set up for success? And I thought Sermon had all that. I don't think he was that fast, but. I thought he definitely had all that to be a professional running back. Well, running between the tackles. Henry, I'm curious. So Elijah Mitchell being a much faster player, burstier, <laughs> making up words. Do you think he fits like a San Francisco offense better than like a Sermon? Yeah, he's kind of the Mostert mold. Mostert was undrafted himself quite a few years ago, bounced around the league, cut by Miami, the Ravens, some other teams I'm probably forgetting. And Mostert had the highest ball carrier speed of anyone in the NFL over two years. I mean, faster than Tyree Kill, faster than anyone. He kept breaking his own records. He'd take toss plays against the Jets and take him 80 yards to the crib. If you can get a guy that you get the blocking, you do a power a toss play, you get Yushek out there blocking, you get Kittle out there blocking, they have a lot of good gadget blockers. Debo Samuel is one of the best blocking receivers in the league. 
if you can get blocking in the secondary levels, you need a guy that's going to get going to the house. You don't need someone that can break tackles because you've got everything blocked up. You just need someone that can run in a straight line to the house, which seemed like Sherman's forte to me was straight line running. Exactly. Yeah, but exactly. That's what I mean. <laughs> apparently Mitchell's, Mitchell's getting it done. So. And Mitchell seems more like an outside runner to me. You know, he, he seems like he's got more success on the outside than he does between the tackles. You can't knock a guy. He's, he's out there working. He might be a six-round pick, but whether you want to agree with it or not, he does look better than Sermon right now on an NFL field. You can pull up the stats and say Sermon might look a little more efficient in his running, uh, in his rushing. I've seen that. At the same time, like a team's momentum doesn't just look at a stat sheet and say, like, okay, this is the guy. You know what I mean? Like a, a team's going to say, this is the guy who's doing it for us right now. We want to run with, El- with Elijah, and there's nothing wrong with doing that while it's working. The other thing is like this is a team game, you know. The, you know, you you have to you have to sometimes take this depth. Like when depth answers the call for you, sometimes you just gotta you just gotta take the call. When you've got a guy who's like kind of struggling in sermon off off the beginning of the year, even though he looked great in preseason, I'm not really sure about that either. But Eli's balling. Eli's balling right now, and and you gotta let him ball. It sure looks great for Elijah Mitchell right now, but I've basically come to the conclusion that this is just like a Patriots backfield where as soon as you think you know what's going on, surprise, it's the fourth person off the practice squad activated and started over people who you thought they liked better or maybe activated off the pup like Jeff Wilson or IR like Hasty. Could be one less name in the hat. There you go. Process of elimination. <laughs> that, that means so math would say zero carries for Sermon stuff. <laughs> yeah, I would say more than anything, you might want to look out for Jamichael Hasty just taking the passing work. The season's 14 games this year for fantasy, and we've completed seven of them. We're halfway through. So special today. It's an ideal moment to look forward to next year because a lot of these people are, if you're not rebuilding, you're still trying to take a balanced approach like you were saying where you're not completely trying to throw away your future and mortgage your future to try to win now. So I think it might be helpful to project what ranks might be looking like starting in 2022. So it seems like a prime time to mock with prime time mock. Yeah. There we go. Today we have what is a four person mock, but we're going to be approaching it with the assumption that this is a 12 team super flex, two RBs, two wide receivers, a tight end, a couple of flex, the super flex. And we're going to attempt to rank what would be our startup ranks for a draft if it were to take place in August of 2022. Now, we're going to ignore the rookies. We're not including these guys. This is just the vets. And again, it is 12-team Superflex. As always, we are assuming PPR. And for this exercise, we will be assuming no tight end premium. So since it's the three of us, it's a four-person mock, the fourth team will be the consensus team here. I will ask you guys who you think it should be, and if it's not a unanimous decision, then I will break the tie for you guys. To get going here, I really don't think that there's been anything that says that Patrick Mahomes on his 10-year deal should be anything other than the 1.01 next year. I can understand like arguments like, uh, you know, I'm putting JT there now, but we saw what happened to what half of the RBs from the first round of this year's startups. I think the stability of the elite tier of quarterback is the 
decider for me when it comes to the first round of projecting forward to 2022 for me. So with that pick, I will take Patrick Mahomes. Probably would have been my first pick as well. The Chiefs have been struggling a little bit this year, but not because of Mahomes. He's had quite a few interceptions, more than last year already, I believe. Not necessarily his fault. We saw him last week where Tyree Kill kind of was doing one of those ad-lib plays and goes to make a weird catch kind of behind him. Mahomes threw a little behind him, but it went off his hands, got picked. There's been quite a few plays like that where Mahomes has hit a guy in the hands and it's bounced, and that's just the name of the game. He's clearly one of the absolute stars of our sport and has a lot of contract security. Another guy with contract security signed a six-year extension this offseason. The rushing touchdown outlier that is Josh Allen will be my pick here. The Bills, a lot of people have him pegged as the best team in the AFC. Josh Allen's a big part of that. He's got Diggs, he's got Emmanuel Sanders for this year at least. Coming up, Gabe Davis maybe. A lot of people like him in Dynasty. We'll see how they patch that up. Dawson Knox, finally with a breakout. He's got a good offensive line. Deion Dawkins got extended. I think he's going to be good for plenty of years to come. Solid. And you know me, I, I like to think about this again like like it's a chessboard. So we've got two, we've got the super flex right now. Even still in a, in a PPR league, the rushing floor that, that rushing quarterbacks provide is just way too great to pass up, especially when you can start two quarterbacks. So I'm going to do, and to be honest, I don't mind taking either of these two here. I'm going to take Kyler, but it's very, very close with Lamar Jackson. He'd be my next pick if we're going into the consensus, if that helps at all. Very good. The top three are my top three. If you have Murray over Allen, I wouldn't hate you for it. I think both of them are young and have bright futures and offer a rushing upside. You're just taking your favorite flavor of the same chocolate. To be honest, I, I, would, I would not fault anyone for taking, again, if we take Lamar here, uh, I would not fault anyone for taking any of those four picks at number one. Claire, who you want it for? Yeah, a little note about Kyler. I, I've always liked Kyler a lot more than other people. I'm a shorter guy myself. Love to see him succeed. <laughs> but the longevity does concern me a little. You know, not quite... A little? <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended there. But, you know, he's always got the baseball opt out if he wanted it. I doubt he ever takes it. But he's always moving around, rushing. It seems like if he gets you know, hit, it could be bad. Last year, he had the AC joint sprain, had some shoulder problems. We saw Chris Streveler play, a guy I know pretty well. He's a nice guy, but not an NFL quarterback. So here with the fourth pick, now again, we are just ranking. We're not drafting teams. I think Lamar would be interesting if he had that good contract extension, the long-term security. Curious how that plays out. I love him for fantasy. I think he's a good NFL quarterback. I'd probably go Jonathan Taylor over him, and then I would mention Justin Herbert, but I think Jonathan Taylor has become my RB1 by far and away. I think Jonathan Taylor would be my RB1 too, but if you asked me, I'd be choosing Herbert, and since neither of you said Herbert is your main thing there, I'm going to break the tie with Lamar Jackson here, and we're going to pretend like this isn't selfishly so that I can select Herbert here with my next pick, but that's exactly <laughs> what I'm going to do. Before we do move on, though, I, I do want to ask, though, Henry, with, with Jonathan Taylor, I know that Lamar doesn't have a contract extension, but I think I think the general consensus is he'll be getting another contract contract that rushing floor is there i love jonathan taylor too but i still don't see him outlasting lamar as far as a career is concerned i still don't necessarily think that like i think lamar will be in the league a little longer than jonathan taylor will you know despite what contracts look like right now i don't know how far in advance we look 
for for dynasty like what window like some people talk about a two-year window or a three-year window some people think further out into like four or five years i get that too is it just you think that jonathan taylor is so far and away beyond every other running back left there or i guess i guess i just want to talk this out a little more yeah uh, i think it's interesting you know the conversation is shelf life jonathan taylor in his second year he's was not a first round pick so he's got the four-year rookie contract he gives him this year two more and then presumably a four-year deal after that, which he may not see all of. So let's say five more years of Jonathan Taylor. You get five more years of what I would assume to be a top three running back. You know, maybe and that, that's a bold assumption. Let's say top 10 running back every year. It's a positional advantage to me. It's one of the only young running backs that I feel 100% confident in running behind Quentin Nelson, Eric Fisher for now, down you know, the great blue wall they built there in Indy. I, I believe in the offense. I believe in the coach. He is an unbelievable talent. Lamar, the contract is interesting, right? First round quarterback. This is fourth year in the league. So he's got next year on the fifth year option. And then maybe a franchise tag after that. Seems like the Ravens would almost be dumb to not take him year to year. If they can go year to year with him and God forbid, if an injury happens, it would be an easy dump, but he he's, he's played well enough to where I'd give him a contract. I hope he gets a contract. He deserves it. Absolutely. And I, I wouldn't begrudge the pick at all. Well, you can send that check to Lamar whenever you feel like it. <laughs> I'd appreciate it if you're willing to give him that there. Yeah, it's interesting with him and Baker, who's going to get that extension. I do go Jonathan Taylor here as the sixth overall player in the consensus rankings. I had him over CMC in the offseason, over Saquon. And that is by factor of running backs, right? The injuries of running backs. If we saw Aaron Jones go down today with the torn ACL, what's his value? Not much at all. He's gone next year if he tears an ACL now. A.J. Dillon is the running back of the Packers next season if he tears an ACL. If if ETN tears something, his value's still up there. Aker's still up there. Dobbin's still up there. So I'm buying a safer asset, in my opinion. And I, w- I really wanted to build off what you said, and then I'll pass it back to hear you here, Mark. But with Jonathan Taylor, why do you like him as the RB1? I like him as the RB1 in what is kind of like a tier. And how you said there, how, you know, the RBs there have a shorter shelf life. So you want those initial years. And is it that RBs are worth less because of their shorter shelf life? I interpret it that each of those years within their shorter shelf life are worth more because it's all that value is packed into that shorter amount of time. The players that are often winning you the league when you look up week 17, 15, 16, 17, the players that are blowing up are the stud RBs at the end of the year. Whoever makes it there. It's you're playing the health game, I get it, you know, maybe a higher chance that the player gets injured, but if they don't, they're league winning pieces. Sure, sure. And I I agree that I mean like nobody loves running backs more than me, believe me, don't they? <laughs> I'm usually I usually are a running back heavy drafter, but when I'm thinking Superflex and again when I'm thinking Dynasty, I love I love Jonathan Taylor. I think he's a great I think he's a great great running back, but I also think that if Jonathan Taylor were to get hurt or any running back were to get hurt, as opposed to a quarterback like Lamar Jackson getting hurt or Kyler Murray or any of the four that we have in this top this top tier, they have another asset to the game to fall back on where really the rushing, what we can't really beat around it, that the rushing for a quarterback, as far as game plan is concerned, is secondary. Whereas for a rusher, it's their main, it's their bread and butter. Whereas if a player on a, a mobile quarterback who gets injured maybe tears their ACL, 
means like they might not be as great a rusher as they were. But again, if they're a good enough passer, that doesn't matter as much to me. Whereas if a running back tears their ACL or or has an Achilles injury and they don't come back from it the way that you think that they would, you know, their, their value takes a hit right away as opposed to as opposed to what a quarterback might. That's that's sort of where I am. And the other thing about this is we're doing this with a whole year's worth of basically banked time that doesn't exist right mm-hmm. so for me like i'm thinking like okay this is what i'm looking for for next year but also next year hasn't happened so i'm more likely to say that these quarterbacks are more likely to still be starting quarterbacks than any one running back right now is to be a starting uh, a starting running back for their team next year because of the likelihood of injury sure i think an interesting point about saying the injuries to running backs potentially being more career altering lamar jackson on pace for his third thousand yard rushing season i think he's the rare quarterback that you look at his rushing ability over his passing ability sure so if he were to suffer an injury it would be the same as running back getting injured to me mm-hmm also for his long-term contract, he's not a guy that I would expect to play the same way past 28, 29, 30. Maybe he can develop so much as a passer that he can extend his career beyond that, right? We saw Cam Newton kind of fall off a cliff here. We have no idea what Mike Vick would have done. He's kind of a unicorn. He's a new breed. It's hard to really find much to compare him to. Yeah. Uh, curious to see how long the thousand yard rushing seasons can continue. Oh yeah. Oh no, I, I don't think that, that that'll keep up for forever. Like that's, that, that would be foolish. You know, it'd be, it'd be foolish to think that. But I just I I do feel like that if you're thinking in the next few years, just like we said, with with a guy like Jonathan Taylor, he's giving you those high powered punches every single week. So his three year window might be more valuable than another person's. But that when we're in a super flex league, especially because you have to start two quarterbacks, you do get that from a mobile quarterback. The general consensus is even rushing quarterbacks last longer than than most running backs. So I, again, I'm playing a generality thing because I really don't, I can't know who's going to get injured and who's not. I'm really just going off of probability in my mind that even still quarterbacks more often, even if they get hurt, are more likely to still have another contract, another kick of the can if they've shown before that they can do it. Whereas with a running back, a guy like ETN or a guy like Cam Akers, as much as acres has shown a little bit i'm not as much worried about acres but ecn is not going to have the same opportunity next year as he would have had this year because he got hurt you know what i mean it's just you can't really know what the team is going to be thinking next year with a running back as much as you can with a quarterback i feel like the running back position can be way more unpredictable with contracts with everything what's uh that that goes into it because it's just a more volatile position. And we could probably beat around this for like another hour <laughs> if we wanted to. But All right, drop the shoe, Mark. Yeah, let me let me go here because you are I've already sort of tipped my hand that I'm just gonna be going with another quarterback probably. I'm gonna take Dak Prescott right yep. here. This guy is four years younger than Russell Wilson, and we still think Russell Wilson is awesome. Yeah. So even though he's not quite as young as like the Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Tier, Herbert, he's still got for the four foreseeable future as far as we're caring to look he's going to be linked to lamb as as long as all parties stay healthy and no one you know has to sacrifice their fattened calves (laughs) so team four consensus who do you think should be next man this might be Najee Harris territory I mean a lot of work there could be if you're looking quarterback you got Burrow Lawrence I, this is kind of where the board starts to shift for me away from the top, top end of quarterbacks. 
Mm-hmm. You don't have Swift up there? Oh, Swift, yeah. I didn't even see him on the board. Swift will be up there for sure. Sleepers got him down at 27. I, I did silly. I added him to the queue, but I didn't look at my queue yet. So, <laughs> What about you, Mark? You know, I'd probably be looking... It's tough, you know, because he's, he's still hurt now, but I still think that Christian McCaffrey is... When he's on the field, like, there's nobody we want more. <laughs> there's no one you want more. It's starting to get to that time. I would... I'd be looking at maybe... You know, maybe Joe Burrow here, Justin Jefferson. I think McCaffrey's still it for me. One year from now, McCaffrey will be just approaching 26 and a half, which that's like the end of kind of what I consider like the plateau of what is the peak. Past that point, they can go past that point, like King Henry, for example, the the other Mr. St. Clair. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> It's getting close to that point. And when you got like Najee Harris on the board, who's two years younger, and Barkley, who's almost a whole year younger, I guess just over half between a half and a year younger. Yeah, I like your Swift point. I think Swift would be my pick. He was kind of my RB3-4 in the offseason. Him and Saquon were kind of there. So I'm good with whatever. We're going we're gonna to pick Swift with the swiftness here so I can get on to my next pick. Hopefully we sniped you. The consensus sniped Iowa. Uh, I have been sniped. I have been sniped. I I did it to myself. (laughs) But this is a really crappy point for me to pick here because this tier is all muddied like you guys were saying who who really do you think is next is Najee Harris being artificially inflated by a noodle armed Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> with a ridiculous amount of targets that his profile wouldn't suggest that he would be earning like he obviously can catch footballs but did you really think any RB is going to get targeted 18 times and if you had to guess one would you have guessed Najee Harris like it's it seems like it's risky to project that all the way forward to next year when it's probably won't even be Roethlisberger there. Now, if it ends up being like Aaron Rodgers there, chucking it down to him, you know, maybe. <laughs> but it's tough. I really don't know for sure. But with that being said, I'm going to go with uh, Mark's selection here and go ahead and pick old man McCaffrey. <laughs> Since apparently that would be what he'd be at that point. Next year, you'll be happy you did. Don't worry. And then the year after that, you'll be really sad you did. Very sad. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Again, you know what? You you can trade him that offseason. Mm-hmm. Or midseason even, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yep. You know, when you're, you are you might be in some competitive, competitive dynasty leagues, but there are also some where they're not so competitive, and sometimes you can just make that trade. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so the pick for me here is Najee Harris. We saw it with Le'Veon Bell. Ah, Najee. I always say it wrong. <laughs> we always uh we saw we saw it with Lev Bell and then James Conner. Mike Tomlin's system demands for a running back to be out there three downs. The same guy every play. He's the RB five in PPR right now. Like he said, got nineteen targets in that one game. Sure. Uh beyond that though, last two weeks, twenty three carries, twenty four carries. He's finally got a little bit better of an offensive line that can hopefully improve and then maybe get more scoring opportunities with a new quarterback, better offense next year. Definitely a bell cow. I like it. Now, I know we're going linear here, but I'm just using this 11 spot. uh, Sort of in my mind, we'd probably be snaking this if this were a 12-team league, right? So right right here, I am thinking that I need to take uh, Joe Burrow here. He's like the last quarterback in a tier for me right now. Not that, I mean, Russell Wilson's kind of close there too for me. 
All right. So so he's in he's in a tier for me right now. Um, and I would really be trying uh, to get mine in the first round. I would be worried about missing him in the second round. I might be okay with getting Russell Wilson as my first quarterback in round two in this position here. But also, if I came around the turn and Russell wasn't there, I'd be feeling great about that that quarterback quarterback stack for me. He's the last quarterback I would probably take in the first round in the rookie draft. You know, you're never going to get a quarterback for cheaper. So I'm going to take him there, hopefully, especially since we haven't really gotten running back heavy. And we I mean, they're also, you know, top tier players at other positions. I would just take my quarterback and see which of those players that I have queued up waiting for me. If you showed me this several months ago, I would have been surprised that Burrow went over Lawrence, but I don't hate it. Joe Burrow, uh, looking like smoking Joe Burrow, and maybe that he deserves to be above the law. And Trevor Lawrence looking like smoked Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, they'll get they'll get Meyer out of there at some point and he'll start looking a little bit. I mean, he's he's been he's it's not like he's been a complete scrub. I mean, you're, he's playing on Jacksonville. So, like, let's let's put him on a curve a little bit. But he hasn't looked like a, an absolute scrub. No, definitely not. He seems like if you're watching him, he looks like a professional quarterback who has a really he's in a really bad spot. It's been a little worrisome. Sometimes to me, he has not quite looked like a professional quarterback. There was a. a weird flea flicker play where he saw that it was covered saw it was a bad pass threw it through a pick and then just kind of shrugged his shoulders and was like "Mm, well that was the play so (laughs) it's like i don't know what he was thinking there but he's like oh yeah i'm on the jags yeah yeah (laughs) yeah he's like we were gonna lose anyways i don't really care hopefully it's just a good year development for him like you said lost shark for the season potentially get better next year hopefully new coach i agree i think urban meyer was one of the dumbest hires in nfl history that's the thing you've got you've got veterans in that locker room already you know rolling their eyes at urban meyer like everyone knows what's up you know like he's not long for this job and sometimes when that happens it's not good for a quarterback in any way right because you have because one they're losing a year of development because their coach is inept And then the other part of it is that in that year, they also feel like in some ways it's acceptable because it's not actually my fault that all this is happening. You know what I mean? So it becomes sometimes it can be a psychological thing that festers into years going forward. So there's a little bit of worry there. But I again, he's he looks like a great quarterback. You know, he looks like a great quarterback coming through college. If they get a line together, if if they have a functional front office working the strings for him to actually have a successful career i believe it can happen but man a lot of nfl teams ruin ruin quarterbacks you know what i mean it's so if you had to pick the 12th player on the board would it be barkley t law wide receiver somebody else all right i this is going to be kind of hot i guess i don't know if it's going to be hot or not but i'm going to take jamar chase here Ooh. i mean he's 21 years old probably a reach you know like it's probably a reach but it's also like i don't really care <laughs> if you got him that young he's already showing that he is just a, he's a great receiver in this league it's not going to keep up all year he's not going to end up as the wide receiver three you know at the end of the year and if he does maybe this is too low he's just got it you know he's got the he's got the structure with the quarterback with joe burrow you know cincinnati's out here just like any of us hitting the stack this is what i would be doing with this joe burrow pick that i just made this is what i'd be doing i'd be looking for the jamar chase stack on the way back it would be it would be the most expensive stack we're looking at but it's i would be very very happy to start off my dynasty league with those two for however many years going forward that would be a very nice foundational piece for me who you got next claire Uh, yeah for me it'd probably be saquon gibson um justin jefferson if i were to look at wide receiver 
I would also be going Saquon, so I'll break the the tie there, and then maybe we can still let the stack happen. I will say that he would be, he's also a candidate. I'm thinking like it is October, even though we're drafting for next year. You know, I can never tell what a running back's going to do, and I'm more likely to say like, I'd rather have a wide receiver at this point. If it were actually June, July, I might think differently, but right now I'm, I'm a little more conservative. So I'm thinking quarterbacks, receivers, and, and probably tight ends to start my draft. For me, even though recent performance might suggest otherwise, I will want Trevor Lawrence here. And this is because it's been coming since forever. People have been looking forward to the day when Trevor Lawrence makes his transition to the NFL. This guy hardly ever lost in his life. And then he gets the harsh reality of the Jacksonville Jaguars to experience. But even with that being said, you know, it's every year rookies come out and rookies are rookies. They may not be the best right off the bat, but it doesn't mean that they're any worse players in the long run. And this is looking forward. I think that I'm more confident in building around him as far as at least being adequate than the potential risk with like a Fields or a Lance, even though they obviously have very close to this similar investment from their own teams. It's just, I'm going to go with the consensus for quite a while here with T-Law. Don't hate the pick. London's new quarterback, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence. Saw them franchise tag Cam Robinson, a left tackle last year, which I think was kind of curious. He's not a great left tackle, definitely not a franchise tag worthy player. Just trying to piecemeal together something to protect him. Definitely protected him better than some other rookie quarterbacks we've seen, namely Fields and Wilson. Those guys fighting for their life every single play. Lawrence just half the plays. <laughs> Uh, for my next pick here, consensus was looks like I had Nick Chubb a little higher than Iowa does, but not by a ton. Did sign that three-year deal, so that give him another. I believe it was three years on top of his existing deal, so it's basically four more years, three of it fully guaranteed. Gives three years of pretty good RB production there. Antonio Gibson in consideration. He's had the weird shin splint, like stress fracture in there last year. He had the ankle problem, turf toe actually. So I think it will be Antonio Gibson here. It's been curious with uh, the mobile quarterback and Taylor Heineke missing his starter, Fitzpatrick. We'll see what they get next year. Rolling a quarterback there. He profiled as a good receiving back at a college, played receiver at Memphis. Only had like 20 some odd carries in college. Got a lot of wear and tear still left on the tire, tread on the tire remaining. So he'll be a good pick going forward, I hope. Yeah, maybe he'll be as good as Kenny Gainwell. Maybe one day. <laughs> Fellow Memphis product, yep. along with Pollard and Daryl Henderson, RB Factory right there. Yeah, this would effectively be the 203 coming up here. So, obviously, in the first round, we had Mahomes, Allen, Murray, Jackson, Herbert, Jonathan Taylor, Dak Prescott, DeAndre Swift, McCaffrey, Najee, Joe Burrow, and Saquon as first-round draft picks, potentially next offseason, as we're projecting currently. I really think this is all about where where they're falling for me, but I just can't stop drafting quarterbacks right now, and I'm going to keep on going. I'm going to take Russell Wilson here. Ooh. Passed on Jamar Chase. I know. I thought he was going to stack it up. I did. I did. Oh, I did. <laughs> oh, no. What did I do? I th- all right. All right. Cut the tape. <laughs> oh, man. I forgot about that. Okay. Yeah. Well, then let's, let's back it up. I'll take Jamar Chase there. All right. You didn't see anything or hear anything. <laughs> yeah. 
I wonder how much of this you you cut and how much of this me bumbling through this is like actually gold. <laughs> yep. You know, so it's gonna be hi, I'm primetime mock, and then a whole bunch of Henry talking. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I, you know, I usually do my shows all live, right? And I know, so I'm like not used to, to clipping necessarily, like clipping everything down. Even though I'm doing a lot more of that with the show I'm doing now, but like, you know what? It's it's weird. It's been it's it's like a different experience. Like now, even though I know we're talking live right now, I'm still like thinking about like, okay, like I didn't get that right. So let's just start stop and start over. When really I just like would just I just plow through it, and I probably wouldn't be. I'd probably be much more like normal in in my speaking if I wasn't thinking about like did that come off right? Did that come off right? Well, that's the beauty of it too, and I try to do it for all the guys. Me personally, I have a problem saying uh or you know yeah too frequently, so I enjoy being able to cut those parts out. Mm-hmm. And all these different people that I edit, they all have their own little quirks where I can make little subtle corrections and make everyone seem even smarter than they already are. Sure. First couple of podcasts, I think Iowa asked me about like 15 guys. The first one it was kind of just getting a feeler for my introductory episode, feeler on a lot of guys, what I thought. Yeah. And every time he'd be like, you know, Derek Henry, what do you think? And I'd be like, well, Derek Henry's a guy who, and I'd be like, he's a guy Here's who, a guy. here's a guy who, this is a guy, <laughs> this is a guy, this, yeah, is, a guy. this is a guy, yeah. Like, you know, I don't think you're alone in that. I think that's a that's an industry yeah. flaw. We think we all do we all do that. This is a guy who who just last year had was the RB ten. You know, like the you know how often I hear that in takes. Like it's it's just how people talk. Listening back to it, that was a it was a bad syncopation. It was definitely a crutch. So. Oh, for sure. Well, you've still got a lot of opportunities ahead to prove that we can do better. Eventually, Darnold's going to catch up and be as old as Burrow. But if you didn't know, Darnold is younger than Burrow. If we're uh, just listing off all the things. That's going in the intro right there. Mo Ali Cox plays basketball or played basketball. And so did Antonio Gates. If you haven't heard that, you're and Carson quoted 50 times. Patrick Mahomes' dad played baseball. That's the one, too. Yep, that's a big one. Kyler Murray was drafted by the A's. <laughs> Top 10 pick in baseball. <laughs> So here at what is the fourth pick in the second round of a 12-team Superflex startup for 2022 vets only, would you rather have Fields, Lance, or someone else on the board? I like Russell Wilson still. Oh, uh, I know okay. that he. I know that he doesn't have. He doesn't have as many years, but I still will take Russell Wilson. He does have the proven track record to be a good quarterback. I don't know how much longer the Pete Carroll and and Russell Wilson marriage is going to last. But I feel like the second he gets out of that system, and I don't think it will be all that much longer. He, we already had the trade rumors last year. Pete Carroll's getting up there, and it's starting to look like the league's passing him by a little bit and how he runs the offense. Russell Wilson has shown that he he can take a bad team and make it a, a 500 or better team and maybe make it contend to make the playoffs. And as much as that doesn't equate to fantasy stats, he is he is a guy that can give you quarterback one weeks he still rushes gets you that rushing floor accurate passer is in tune with his receivers he's got that proven nfl track record to back it up and so i'm going to take it it's very close with lance but there is still that on there is that level of uncertainty with lance that he might not pan out he might give you some good fantasy year uh, a couple of good fantasy seasons in the process that's true but if i were to really think five years from now who's still in the league i know russell wilson is i don't know lance's five years from now russell wilson will be turning 38 years old 
He'll be Ryan Ryan Fitzpatrick. 38. I don't think that far out. I really only think two or three years out at the, at the time. So I still think that those are prime quarterback years. 38, yeah, is getting up there. starts to get up there. Prime, high-level quarterbacks, MVP-type quarterbacks like Russell Wilson, those are still prime quarterback years. I can dig it. Yeah, age 44 is right where you hit your peak. Yeah, it, That's right. Yeah, that's right. If everyone gets on the Brady regimen. <laughs> yeah. And I think as far as Russell Wilson is concerned, he does a very good job, even though he is a rushing, a mobile quarterback, and it's not a great look right now because he's injured. It's just the fingers, though. He is one of the quarterback, the rushing quarterbacks that I think does a better job of protecting himself. He's he's using his feet to to avoid a lot more than there are a lot of players like you'll see Lamar Jackson take a hard hit to get the get the hard yards or try to make the make the play at the goal line where he gets stuffed and fumbles. You know, we have those plays from from Lamar, but you don't get that as much from Wilson. So you can you can expect I mean, I don't know if you can expect because, again, this is predicting the weather, but I would say that I'm less likely to think that he's one to fall off so quickly because he does protect himself a little bit more when he's rushing. Yep. I agree. 50% chance of rain, 50% chance of snow, 50% chance of, you know, whatever. Henry, I'm curious who you'd like here. If it is Russell Wilson, he'll be the oldest person selected by about four years. So <laughs> yeah, he's got that weird hammer finger injury, right? The thing is the middle finger. It doesn't quite fire properly. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like he'll be back sooner rather than later. Same injury type that Drew Brees got against the Rams. Both of them following through, smacked their hand on Donald's helmet. He's taken two quarterbacks out in the last two years. The fingers. For me, it would be Justin Jefferson. He's my dynasty wide receiver one. I think that, like you said, with Jamar Chase, Jefferson is 22. Tied to a really good quarterback right now. Uh, curious to see how long Kirk Cousins lasts in Minnesota. Not quite sure. They could limp into the playoffs this year. He could stick around. He could not. They do have Kellen Mond in the hangers. I wouldn't be mad at a Russ pick, but for me, it would be Jefferson. Yep, I don't have any problem with the Russ pick. Just as far as me personally and how I basically craft my teams, these rounds, I'm never taking those quarterbacks that are over 30. I, I understand they're going to be good, but it's hey, just yeah. I, I like my building blocks to be younger, and they're, and he always goes in there. So it's not like you're crazy. It's just not my philosophy personally. I 100% get it. You know, I, I totally get it. For me, though, I think that there are a lot of players in Dynasty who do that. You can sneak in a really great value like Russell Wilson just because he's a little bit older. And especially with quarterbacks, I don't I don't mind an older quarterback. Like, I don't mind a quarterback that's going into their 30 to 35 year range. I think, to be honest, like that's where that might be sort of the sweet spot that you're looking. I mean, maybe not as much now because you still want that rushing floor. Like Josh Allen right now is coming into his own. How old is Josh Allen right now? 25, I think. He's he's 25. He's got the rushing floor and he's he's looking good. Even in your 30s, like you're a lot of, you know, if you've made it to your 30s, generally it means that there that there are a number of things that that are keeping you there for that longevity. A good passer rating, a good quarterback rating that's going to keep you in games. It's going to keep you starting. It's going if you can rush, that's even better. So I don't mind taking the unsexy value that is Russell Wilson just because he's he's a little bit older. I get where we're coming from. But again, also, if we just go off youth, we might be sacrificing winning now. Definitely understand that perspective of the good quarterbacks that are over 30. Other than Russell Wilson, you have Matt Stafford, Derek Carr, Ryan Tannehill, Aaron Rodgers. Kirk Cousins and Tom Brady. So 
basically just backing what you're saying there. These are all ones that have proven to be Big Ben. <laughs> big Ben is it's not so big anymore. <laughs> big Ben, maybe not this year, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's an interesting point about Stafford there that he's only a year and some change older than Russ, right? In your mind, you probably think Russ, and you're like, that guy's early 30s. That guy's got five, ten years left. And you think Stafford, and you're like, that guy got ruined in Detroit. He's like 50 years old, and he's 33. He could play another five in L.A. and be a top-ten quarterback each of those years with those weapons, the yeah. McVay offense. He could be a sneaky value in a lot of leagues. Yeah. Yeah, almost a whole year older than Russell Wilson there. As far as the draft here, I'm back on the clock and I'm just jabbering away. <sighs> Trey Lance at 21 years old. I understand that maybe he's not 100% ready, but you're going to have all this season. You're going to have the whole off season, And then I'd imagine that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be out of the way by next year. And we'll at least get to see what Lance is. I think at this point, I like to build my team around the young with elite potential quarterbacks. It just feels really chancy picking him over like a lamb and AJ Brown and a DK Metcalf. But I think for my selection here, I'm going to go ahead and go Lance because I'm either building around the young RBs or I'm building around the younger quarterbacks with rushing upside and elite potential. I, I like that. I again, I don't I kind of have Lance and and Russ sort of in the same tier right now, uh, which, again, for me is super, super loose. It's just going to be, you know, who has the actual better, better next two years. That's going to really decide what, you know, where whether this pick was was better or worse. But no arguments with Lance there. I honestly like he's probably going to he'll probably be taking taking another start, you know, or two this year. Who knows when they actually decide like, OK, Jimmy's not it. We've drafted this guy. We're not in contention. It's not that far off that they you know, that they're pretty they'll be pretty much out of it. I would expect to see Lance again even this year, but we're drafting for next year anyway. So, yeah, it's a great pick. Right now they've got a gift-wrapped reason not to be playing him. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo had two years, $50 million left on his contract going into last year. Maybe a year, $25 million. No guaranteed. Was kind of surprised he wasn't cut in this offseason. Would be even more surprised if he weren't cut this coming offseason or traded for something small if they can. Uh, so, yeah, back on the clock here. This is effectively the 206, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Lance, to me, was a good pick. Uh, we spoke earlier about how you want a quarterback tied to a good team. Despite some of the Shanahan slander earlier, I believe he's a good offensive coach. He ran a really good system in Washington with Robert Griffin III, allowed him to run a lot his rookie year, gave him offensive rookie of the year, had a lot of rushing yards, good for fantasy. Lance would be great for fantasy for those reasons. He's also got a cannon of a right arm, a reason that I think he can be more than a rusher. He used to work on the accuracy, learn the offense, remain consistent. All things that can hopefully come a time with a 21-year-old that took a year off football last year. So here on the clock, looking at it, got Fields and the correct Wilson looking at the barrel at quarterback. Kamara, Chubb, Clyde at running back. And then wide receiver here. Seems like it's where the value has fallen for me. I will mention a couple guys, Lamb and Metcalf, A.J. Brown, that sort of tier. Dalvin Cook. What about Dalvin Cook? Someone who was selected in pretty much every first round this year. Yeah, I think if I were looking running back here, I'd want Kamara. And the reason for that is mm -hmm. I tend to believe that receiving backs have a longer shelf life than straight runners. They get fewer touches. Hopefully less car crashes, car crash hits, that is. And their touches are worth more. 
touches are worth more, and the Saints have shown a propensity to just hyper give everything to Camara because with MT uncertainty, it's been the Camara show. I think it will be, gosh, between DK Metcalf and CD Lamb for me. I believe a little more in C.D. Lamb's talent. The D.K. Metcalf neck injury from college still gives me a little worry with remembering what happened to Delvin Bro, a cornerback for the Saints at one point who broke his neck in college. It is a scary injury. Saw it end Sterling Sharp's career prematurely. It's something that he takes a bad hit, and it could change a lot. It's just a tiebreaker for me. It's not anything that I knock him down in my rankings for, but something to keep on your radar. Interesting. So we're at the 207 here, right? Correct. And uh, I, I already said I'll take Russell Wilson here, so I'm, I'm going to do that. Got it. Who you want next? Uh, going into one, going into this consensus, I'm actually feeling like I almost want to put Pitts ahead of Kelsey. I think I'm still taking Kelsey. Are we? Are we? Are we at the point where Kyle Pitts is the tight end one? Are we at that point, like for Dynasty, where Kyle Pitts is going to be the tight end one next year? I think in a year's time, it's possible. He's there for some people right now. You know, it's like hard not to take Kelsey. So I would take I would take Kelsey in this situation. I think he's still he's still going to give you that floor. And again, like the age doesn't bother me. In fact, tight ends often play again into their 30s and and it's and it doesn't bother me as much. Man, just looking at Kyle Pitts, the age he's at, not real. I the thing I'm worried about most of, about Pitts is will he eventually just become a wide receiver? Will he just be designated a wide receiver and then he's just a wide receiver too? You know, you know what I mean? Like that's where that's why I am with Pitts because he's not he's gonna get he's gonna get way more points than most tight ends are because he really just plays like a receiver. I think a large part of that is Hayden Hurst still being around on a one year deal. He's kind of more your traditional inline blocking tight end, and they don't necessarily want to use Pitts as a blocker. Sure. If he if he has such great receiving ability and they have another willing blocker, might as well line him up outside when your other options are Gage, who was hurt. And Ridley, who was banged up for a while, and then Olamide, Zacchaeus, and Frank Darby. Might as well play him a receiver for now. Oh, yeah. I mean, Pitts shouldn't be blocking other than to keep the defense honest and or like to keep themselves honest to make him look like a tight end for <laughs> for the sake of the scheme. But yeah, they he should be he should be running as a receiver. You know, he sh- he is. He essentially is, you know. He's just he's just got a few more, he's just got a few snaps in line. And he's going to produce like a wide receiver. He's going to get targeted like a wide receiver. You're not going to see a lot of tight ends who are, you know, on pace for, you know, 1,300 yards like Pitts would be. So it's tough. I would, I, I think I might take Pitts here. I know it's not a tight end premium, but it is a, it is a positional advantage for a very long time if, if he's keeping up what he's going to. And to be honest, with his draft capital this year, with how he's showing out right now, I don't see how he can't be it, how he can't be a hit. I think the way they're using them is ideal for fantasy. Mm -hmm. They're not asking him to do a lot of blocking, which would be ideal for a tight end in his rookie season as well, where you've got him split out wide, especially someone who's, you know, 6'6 and faster than everyone he's matched up with and tougher than everyone he matches up with. So I get it. Me personally, I'm not taking a tight end in the top 40. I I understand that you can get some of that, but I'm going to look at that top five or six tight ends. And once five of them are gone, I'll be thinking about taking that next one. Or if for some reason they fall just too far. But for me personally, in non-tight end premium, I like the ability to stream tight ends and be able to pick up and play CJ Uzoma. Sure. And, And that definitely works. And you can... I mean, like you can win with that strategy any basically in any year. 
Uh, it is a little harder at Dynasty because you, you'll have some people that will pick up two or three tight ends to have on the deep, deep roster, right? Mm-hmm. I actually think that tight end premium is kind of a bugaboo for me. I think what we're looking for at tight end premium is really only overemphasizing. It's like doing the opposite of almost what it's supposed to be doing, which is like trying to make the tight end position more relevant, where really it's just making the people who are relevant within that position, those top three every year, way, way more relevant and and sort of dominant at their position. And everybody else is still just kind of like, "Eh." I'm not a huge fan of tight end premium. I actually think that the difference in redraft and and then tight end premium like there's not it's not that big of an outcome difference uh because you're still playing it in the same tight end spot with that i actually think that you're you're playing that chess game of the positional advantage and so i would take it to i again it's a top tier tight end i've got my three running backs who i pretty much wouldn't you know that i would or sorry i've got the three wide receivers off the board that i'd be considering at, at my wide receiver one my few running backs are also off the board so i think i'd take a positional advantage and i guess it's pits <laughs> i still would say i'm still probably i would still probably say kelsey just because i'm a chicken but uh but it's probably pits now well we'll let claire decide do you want either one of those or uh so what pit Pitts or Kelsey was the question. Yep. Yeah, let's. I, I would say Pitts. Yeah, I'd probably end up with Pitts for me. Like you said, he's twenty-one. It wouldn't easily be him relative to other positions. Like I was said about, uh, you know, tight end, no tight end premium. Every year we see guys Dalton Schultz, Dawson Knox. Last year it was again Dalton Schultz, Logan Thomas, uh, Robert Tunyon. These guys, Robert Tunyon was probably on a lot of your waiver wires. Logan Thomas is well converted quarterback to tight end. This year, Dawson Knox was chilling out on a couple taxi squads. I think tight end is just so replaceable. Again, in a 10-12 team league, you're really only playing against two or three teams with with tight ends where you're like, oh man, I can't I can't win against against that position for this team. Everybody else, you can pretty much stream and say like, okay, I do have a shot, you know? But also, there is a lot to be said about not having to worry about that at all. Mm-hmm. And not that not being an issue whatsoever for your team. And you don't have to waste the extra roster spots or two roster spots because you have to hold a couple tight ends that are somewhat valuable that are, you know, that are on a hot streak or, or, you know, it's, there is also the idea that like you're answering the question without having to put a lot of resources, but I mean, you're putting capital behind it, but without having to put extra bench spots, all that extra work behind it, you can use that for other players that, that can hit and you can just ride out what Pitts is giving you as a tight end one. All right. So for uh, the benefit of saying that I didn't just pick Claire every time, <laughs> we're going to say Kyle Pitts for the prime time of this mock. I like the Kyle Pitts pick. If he, if he's a top three tight end for the nine plus years, he's absolutely worth this pick. Because every week we play a lot of two wide receiver, three flex, or three wide receiver, two flex. So you're starting potentially five wide receivers every week, and then you're starting one tight end. So then the question becomes, is your tight end going to be in your top six receiving options? If you can get a guy like that, then you're at an advantage, right? If you're at a guy that would be below that, you're at a disadvantage. If Kyle Pitts provides that, it's a good pick. It's predicting the weather. Yep. Right. So it's it's so hard for me when I draft, like when I do some of these drafts sometimes because really there are like in any one spot there might be like four or five people that I'm willing to take. Mm-hmm. Like in any like no matter where I am, I I have like three or four or five options that I'm just like you know what this is this is still I'm still good with this. 
I just think of Chase and Jefferson and Lamb when we're looking at receivers. I kind of just think of them as equal because variance is going to, at the end of the day, make the decision for us. It's not going to be it's not going to be who wants it more, who's got it's just going to be whose season broke the right way, whose seasons and, and careers broke the right way that it worked out. But they're all kind of in that spot where I'm like, they're all there. Pitts is in a tier on his own because of his age and on top of him showing that he can be a tight end one off the bat. So I'll take him there happily. But there are there are so many other options if I weren't going tight end that I that I would still be willing to make and be happy with. And it's weird because we're doing a four person draft for 12 people. Right. So it's there's there's that layer on it, too. So like the build is kind of different than what you normally would do. You know, at this point, it just feels like it's almost too late for at some point, I feel like somebody would have taken pits if it weren't just three of us. You know what I mean? I'm kind of thinking that way about like Cook and Camara right now. Oh, absolutely. Oh, for sure. I think they would probably have been picked if we were do- trying to do like a public consensus rank. Mm-hmm. I know that when I build my ranks personally, I know I'm never ending up with a Cook and a Camara. And it's not because I don't yep. think they're good. It's just because, you know, by the time we get to next year, they're basically the same age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Both about 26. Yep. Going to be 27 uh, yep. by next year. Yep. So they'll be just have turned 27 next year, which is the time when their value in most the public's eyes, as soon as that seven (laughs) appears next to the two, all of a sudden, this guy is old. He's going to be washed. So you might get to that point next year and then, you know, Cook and Kamara are falling down, but I'm still not taking them. There's AJ Brown and Metcalf still on the board, which I think both deserve to be going here. Mm. And we've already discussed Justin Fields, but who I really want to pick is one of two players that would be probably like a groan for most people. But it's either Cam Akers, who could come back for the playoffs this year, show out like he did last year in the playoffs, and all of a sudden rise right back up to the first round of drafts next year if he shows out in the playoffs this year thinking that maybe Cam Akers would be the selection there. And the other one would be Javante Williams, who was selected in the second round this year by Denver. All he's got is Gordon in his way right now and probably not next year. Uh, of all the people we've been taking here, he is one of the youngest ones. He's a slightly younger than even Chase. So you've got all those years ahead of him, and he's got the appropriate draft capital. I just don't know who to take there for sure. Javante for me, like you said, MG3 gone next year. Surprised kept him around this year. Then it's Mike Boone backing him up. It'll be his show. Like you said, he's roughly my age, which is crazy to think about. That was roughly my size. Does go Cam Akers here over Javante Williams. Well, with knowing that you're going to take Javante Williams, I can take Cam Akers. Ooh, I don't know about all that. Yeah, assured <laughs> that, uh, you know, Javante Williams won't escape the second round. Oh, uh, man. Do put me between a rock and a hard place here, taking Javante Williams. <laughs> you know, he's he's a good pick. Yeah, I think to, to the Pitts point again, with Noah Fant being 23, at what point do we put him over a 32-year-old Kelsey? Just anecdotally, because he's got nine years on Kelsey. He's the tight end six in PPR. Pitts is the tight end seven. He's a you know higher tight end scorer. He's young as all get out. He was a top 10 pick, if I'm not mistaken. He's got similar draft capital, young age. He's got it all, and he's disrespected in a lot of in a lot of drafts. I won't take Fant before Kelsey. <laughs> not that he's not a good tight end. I'd need a Kelsey injury. He hasn't put it out consistently. He hasn't put it out consistently. There's a scenario where if like Aaron Rodgers comes to Denver, which is very 
like it's i would almost say it's likely at this point i almost feel like they're long for each other <laughs> those two to, to sort of have a marriage that fant could be a real value but the thing that's valuable about kelsey is you know that he is one of the top two targets on that team where any other tight end if they're if you're not there if you're a tertiary target if you're behind two receivers which which fant clearly is and a running back or two, like it's almost it almost gets to the point where the volume isn't quite there that that they're going to ha- be that difference maker where you're saying like what like we said, like, is he a guy that I'm going to that I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, like I definitely I, I can't I can't compete against them when I pull a streamer out, even though he's a good player and he will have great weeks. And I, I'm sure of that. He's not a guy that I'm scared of when I'm streaming, no matter what his age is right now. I just I just wouldn't be all that that worried about Fant in general. Sure. I think that was more the point I was making about Pitts was, you know, he's lower tight end on the year than Fant. Sure. Is he proving the consistency over the small sample size, or is it just because we haven't seen the same sample size of inconsistency or what it is? So I do go Deshaun Watson here. I like it. When he was talking about Russell Wilson, I was thinking I like Watson even more than Russell Wilson. I don't hate, you know, I don't hate Deshaun Watson there. It's I, I, I can see it definitely happening. Like I'm, I'm likely to think that, that he is going to play in the NFL again, but there is that shot. It is immediate. It is still a threshold that we have to pass on whether he will actually be playing in the NFL again. A lot of this trade rumor that you're hearing now is a lot of fluff that the Texans are pushing out there to actually garner some trade talk to say like oh people are asking come on dolphins you should you should be vying for him you should be trying to throw out your your top three you know your first round picks to us i don't think that's actually what's happening i think really they they know that he's not really going to play he's not going to go anywhere and miami's not going to trade what they want so they're just trying to you know stir the pot a little bit and with that said he doesn't he has that trial in January. We don't know what the outcome will be to this point. From there, you could be looking at suspension or never playing again. So I love it. I hate these kind of picks though. I hate being the one that takes that pick because there's that situation where you're left holding the bag and you're you've got nothing. You know what I mean? Yep, certainly uh could be something. There've been talks of, you know, potential settlements sounds like Watson is unwilling to settle as he's maintained his innocence throughout. I'm inclined to believe where there's smoke, there's fire in a lot of cases. Watson's camp kind of leaking that he's only willing to waive the no-trade clause for Miami. It kind of says that Houston's asked him, hey, would you accept the trade to the Panthers, to the Eagles, if they came along? And he said no. Oh, sure. So the fact that they've even had those preliminary discussions and the Roger Goodell's statement the other day, he made a statement two days ago, he said that there is no substantial evidence to suspend Deshaun Watson if he were to play. So it sounds like if Deshaun Watson were to get traded, he could be cleared to play like the next day, which is strange. But sure. Now, now, like if we're talking redraft, he should be on the back of your roster right now, just in case he gets traded in the next like 10 days or whatever that. And then you can drop him in 10 days (laughs) and then drop him again. Once once we get to January, yeah, I'm more likely to draft just Sean Watson. Absolutely. Right now, we're not through that threshold. So I'm not willing. You know what I mean? I'm not willing to throw that pick right now. Yeah. For me. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm putting my second round pick on a guy who might not be playing a snap for me ever. Absolutely. 
for this exercise, we're thinking a year in the future. Sure. So we will have been past this uh, trade deadline. Oh, will, yeah. If he was going to be traded, he will have already been traded. Whatever occurs that by next year, he'll be somewhere else. Seeing that they have been shopping Watson and these various teams have inquired about Watson, people are interested in trading for Watson, even if... He goes to the trade deadline and he isn't moved. That interest alone says that he, he definitely will be in the offseason if somehow they don't move him before the trade deadline. So I think he's going to be on a new team next year. So Absolutely, yeah. If you were fast-forwarding this draft to like August, we will have already known where Watson is and he will already have gotten past, hopefully, these exterior things that are going on there. So Sure. You know, there's a lot of ways you can take uh, approach this draft, but if you're approaching it with he's already on a new team and he's starting over fresh, sure, this guy isn't old yet. This guy was getting taken in the first round back in like January before these allegations dropped in startups that were way, way, way too early. But yeah, he just turned 26 years old. He's got he's got a long way to go. Sure, and I don't. And I, again, I don't. I don't hate the pick. Definitely some baked in risk. Simply making that call at this point, at least. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, again, you said it there, though. This is a draft in my mind that is June, July, potentially off season startup. Yeah. As far as I've been concerned the whole time, it it sucks to say it. And if and if he's proven guilty, then he deserves. You know, the utmost penalty. Oh, yeah. You know, innocence will proven guilty in America. It's been wild. He won't even be deposed until February 22nd, which means that he won't even have to testify until February of next year. I'd imagine it gets settled or called off before that, although we haven't seen the settlement yet. Um, and like you said, just uh, the way Good Goodell is handling it and teams are still interested, it, it seems like a lot of the other NFL legal issues. We saw with Zeke, Tyreek Hill... A lot of those guys had the weird legal issues that got cleared up under the table, swept under the rug by the NFL. The NFL is a way of like just you know, making things go away. Yeah. And if it doesn't, I wouldn't well, absolutely not take him here in the second. No doubt. But <laughs> I'm not I don't want to like beat around the bush forever for Deshaun Watson, because, again, he is a talented player. Oh, yeah. Right now, you'd be crazy, too. It would be crazy. Wild too. card right now. Henry, would you prefer Cook, Kamara or somebody else here at this next pick? Javante Williams. Oh, I try. I tried to get you to pick somebody else so that I could get Javante Williams in the imaginary round that we won't be doing here with the next selection. The imaginary <laughs> round. But, you know, you, you, you sniped me. Definitely. You sniped me. I think an interesting note on, uh, on Watson especially is, is if it is the team leaking the stuff, why would they be leaking that he won't waive his trade clause? Seems like they'd want more people thinking that more people are interested. Because if the Dolphins know that they're the only team interested and the only team he'll play for, then why would they trade anything? The difference of where we are now is the deadline of trading. Because in the offseason, some teams might have more certainty on their quarterback situations, right? The Panthers may be sold or not sold on Darnold at that point. The Dolphins may be sold or not sold. Hurts may be, you know, the Eagles franchise quarterback or Hurts could be nothing. And the Broncos could find Aaron Rodgers by then, right? The Broncos could have Aaron Rodgers by then. And so they're no longer interested in the Watson sweepstakes. So, you know, like you said, in a week, we'll know uh, November 2nd, the deadline for trades. So it could be an entirely moot point here in a week. And then we'll be talking about it in the offseason. Obviously, there's bigger things at, uh, at play here, but the, the Wentz thing in the offseason was somewhat similar, where it was, will Wentz get traded to Chicago? Wentz doesn't like Chicago. Wentz doesn't want to go to Chicago. Wentz will only play for the Colts. And then it was like, 
well, now the Colts aren't going to give anything away. And then it was like, the Colts have no interest in Carson Wentz. And then it was like, a trade for Carson Wentz happened. It's, it's all posturing, like you're saying. It's all behind the scenes, teams leaking stuff, players leaking stuff, agents leaking stuff, you know. Anyone leaking stuff to change the value, change the landscape of stuff. And uh, we'll know absolute certainty in a week if he's traded. If he's not traded by November 2nd, it means that it'll be in the off season. Hopefully he isn't traded before this cast comes out. <sighs> it's crazy how hot seats change so much. Like the media, like every media person you listen to in the off season was like, this is the last year for Zach Taylor and Cliff Kingsbury. And now they're both like five and they're, like, they're both number one in their conferences right now. It's like, you know, reality is not always what the media thinks it is. Oh, sure. I mean, a lot of it is posturing. I mean, a lot of these teams, if it weren't for the media, a lot of these teams would be written off from week one and they would, we would never talk about them. You know what I mean? We would never, we would never talk about the Jets if, if, if we didn't have to, if the media wasn't there saying, Zach Wilson looks good in camp, Elijah Moore with some really nice highlight plays, when you really know that they just don't have the talent around the entire thing to make it work. I mean, you can get happy. You can get excited about Elijah Moore. He looks like a good player. Hopefully their their offense will will be uh, valuable enough in the future that he can actually he can make it work. But Wilson looked great in the in the Patriots game, and then he got hurt. He, he had sacked yeah. a couple times on some dirty hits, in my opinion, some super dirty hits. But he threw an out route, like a 10, 12-yard out route, left side of the field, and it was like one of the prettiest passes I've seen. Mike White looked okay. He actually looked okay. Yeah? Which... I'm interested. <laughs> made the Flacco trade like head-scratching, because I was like... Mike White? Why aren't they just going to roll with Mike White? Who? Mike White. Who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> was that there was some Bears player like that, right? Mike Jones. Mike Jones. That that's who the who joke is from, right? He, he was a, he was a rapper. He was a rapper. A yeah. Houston rapper. Around the same time as Paul Wall and when yeah. girls were cool. <laughs> Mike Jones. Bears. No, there was an offensive lineman for the for the Bears. I think he just made that song about it. I don't know if everybody thought they were cool. <laughs> yep. Same time as Nelly. Nelly's now, he's got some burger at Burger King, and he's, like, using his whole name, which I had no idea who the hell it was when they were like, it's the so-and-so, so-and-so burger, and I was like... Like Nelly Furtado or something. <laughs> Nelly full name. Uh, no, Nelly... Like the, it, it's not Nelly Furtado. It's Cornell Hayes Jr. <laughs> Cor- Cornell Hayes Jr. They're like, it's the Cornell Hayes Jr. burger, and I'm like, is that some famous boxer? Like, it sounds like a boxer name, Cornell Hayes. Oh, yeah. Is it like a St. Louis burger? He's from St. Louis. He's actually from like 15 minutes from where I used to live. I used to drive by his house all the time. Him and Albert Pujols and Kurt Warner. All those guys live near me. Can't remember the other guy that was always with him. Uh, Flo Rida, oh, Murphy Lee. Murphy okay. Lee. He, he was Murphy super, Lee. not the, not one of the main dudes or whatever, <laughs> but uh, dude, dude had punchlines every, every single bar, <laughs> but he, he's not the guy anybody knew. He was just the other guy on the track. Yeah. The, the goal here is for helpful things to not only just the draft, but why and hearing people's thought processes. So sure. You never know, but you know, one thing for sure every week, and that's that I'll be scrambling to get this done just in time before football, as well as the other podcasts here. <laughs> Either way, uh, this has been a real interesting experience, getting an idea of what like the first couple rounds have been so far. Uh, some guys that didn't get selected that I feel would absolutely have to be coming up uh, here Camara. in the very near future. 
Embiid, Kamara, and Cook, Tyree Kill, and AJ Brown, and I have a a naggy suspicion that Fields, oh, Fields could yeah. be up up very soon as well. There, you know, that's gonna have to be left to mystery. But this mystery is one that will be solved here in the coming weeks, as we're gonna go position by position and look forward a little deeper into each position per episode. So, but I'm thinking, you know, this this mock idea would be a great idea. You know, who better to have? You know. Such a prime candidate to have in here for this first mock on Dynasty Wire. There, there's nobody better than Primetime Mock. Like you were saying, excited to get to this offseason. It's weird in Dynasty you look forward to the offseason because there's just so many exciting things that happen then. That's when so many changes happen and you see whether things you thought might happen will occur. So it's mock draft season as well. It's like it's like, it's like the season made for you, Prime. Thank you so much. I really, uh, I really appreciate the invite, Claire. I appreciate uh, all the, all the back and forth here, and you know, fitting in where you get in. I could have passed you the mic there a handful of times, and I might have missed you. Oh no, you're all good. It was a pleasure to have prime time on. I remember in the off season, I was taking Michael Carter over Trey Sermon before it was cool, <laughs> and uh, and and much to the chagrin of many people in those drafts. What are you doing? Well, last couple weeks, ten plus points in three weeks in a row. Eat that, Jack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. Yep, getting yelled at for taking Elijah Mitchell at the end of second rounds yep. before the draft. <laughs> you know, getting scolded for taking anyone with a hyphenated name, as I should have been, but you know. Amir Smith Marshall. Long live the Hawkeyes. <laughs> the KJ Osborne show. Yep, he he's still young. He's still young and Thielen is not. So <laughs> Kenye. What's his last name, Claire? Cause you know all the names so well. Uh yeah, Kenne and Wang Wu. Well, he's back off of IR. Yep, and I so dropped him. officially the third RB <laughs> on the, the roster now. So another one of the guys who were taken at the end of fifths when we didn't know who to take. That was one of the guys that was sliding in there. It was a fun name. Yep, he's back now too. We'll have primetime back here again here in the future. This is Dynasty Wire. I win the NFL on Twitter. Clairvoyance FF on Twitter. At Primetime Mock on Twitter. Primetime Fantasy Network on YouTube. And the Fantasy Fantasy Football reality competition i'm excited to watch as it evolves and until next time what's the thing i always say this is dynasty wire oh thanks for hanging with us adios